Matt Stepp, tell me all of your favorite things about Fort Wayne, Indiana. It's not 105. Tap and Step, your premium Texas high school football podcast from your friends, your amigos at Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. I am the Tep, Greg Tepper. And I am the Step, Matt Step. Thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. We love you very much. And, and here is proof that we love you very much. Matt Step is in the Eastern Time Zone right now. I am. I am. I'm in, I'm in scenic, but not crime-free Fort Wayne, Indiana. You don't mean any of that. <laughs> I, I think I mean it's not crime-free. Maybe, I'm very certain it's crime. Maybe that part. Um, you are, you're on your way to Canada. You are driving to Canada. Um, and so, but you have pulled over uh, into – what kind of hotel is it? Uh, if we can get a sponsorship, that would be great. Uh, this is a Hampton Inn in Ooh. Fort Wayne, Indiana. One, one of two Hampton Inns in town. <laughs> big doings yeah. in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yeah, one of two Hampton Inns. That's big, yes. that big doings. Um, and so um, Matt Step is here uh, to do Tep and Step remotely for the first time ever. We've never done this before. Yes, uh, this is like never a, done it. Episode twenty-eight or something like that. We've done a bunch of them, but this is uh, first time we've ever done it remotely. Uh, but uh, don't worry, this is going to be the exact same show that you're used to. This is your week four preview show uh, of Tep and Step. We appreciate you being a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider. Going to get to a little bit of week two or week three recap, and of course dive into our draft of week four, and then uh, do our hipster games of the week. Do you have a hipster game? Uh, no, but I will find one. <laughs> All right, there we go. I've been driving for 10 hours. So been driving. I have an excuse. You mean you haven't been thinking about high school football for the entire time? I actually have, um, <laughs> but I've, not, I, I've totally forgot about my hipster pick. So right. uh, I, 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 I will be scrambling while we, while we do this. So, that's okay. I'll that's find fine. one. I'm, I'm, I am 0% worried about that. Uh, and so, but we will start, Matthew, as we always do with your Texas High School Football Fun Fact of the Week. Your Texas High School Football Fun Fact of the Week is timely because we need to do it today because it's going to change this week. Oh, boy. What I'm talking about is that uh, this Friday, um, when the Allen Eagles – is this right? They play this week, right? Or do they have a bye? Uh, uh, I've got my rankings pulled up. They are – they are, t- they are playing this week. They yeah, do play. They're at Plano. They're at Plano. Yes. yes. Um, when they play Plano, that will be Terry Gamble's 50th game at Allen as the head coach of the Allen Eagles. Okay. And so he will then qualify for this list, which is, Matt Stepp, there are 11 active Texas high school football coaches. I will tell you they are all 11-man coaches in the UIL. There are 11 active Texas high school football coaches who have won at least 85% of their games at their current school, minimum 50 games coached. So they have, uh, there are 11. How many can you name? So at least 85%, 850 winning percentage at their current school. Okay. Uh, Brad Butler at Shadow Creek. Uh, minimum 50 games coach. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's it. he's like the most successful coach of all time. If there's Dang no it. minimum, <laughs> yeah, I didn't hate, I didn't, I, I, I didn't get that. Yeah. that part. Um, I did, I just missed it. I'm just yeah. an idiot. Hot. Um, 
I'll say Gary Joseph at uh, Katie. He is number one, ninety-one percent. Okay. He's two hundred. Um, get this about Gary Joseph. He's two hundred and four and twenty. That's pretty good. That is stupid. Oh my god. I'm gonna go Randy Allen at Highland Park. Randy Allen is number three at eighty-nine point three percent. We're playing the hits here. We're, oh, yeah. we're definitely playing the hits with these guys. Um, I will say so, there are some obvious ones, and then there are some ones I was like, oh, interesting. Uh, has John K been at North Shore long enough? Has he got to 50 yet? Uh, John K uh, has coached 75 games there, but he is 60 okay. and 15. He has an 80% winning percentage. Oh, darn. That, no, he, what a slacker. Man. Yeah, no. um, oh, he's terrible. Um, <laughs> is John King on that list? John King is not. John King has an 82.6% no? per, winning percentage. Okay. I'm, all right. I'm, that's, strike, all right. that's strike two. Yeah, strike two. Dang it. Um, Tim Buchanan's got to be on that list from Alito. Uh, you know what? I bet he is. No, he's not. 81, no. 81.2%. He just coached too many games. He's yeah, been, he's, he's co- been there forever. He's coached 282 it, games. His first like three or four years were just middling. Yeah. Yeah. He has a 229-53-3 and three record. Again, Gosh. only 81.2%. Here, here is, you got number one, Gary Joseph. You got number two, or you got number three, Randy Allen. Who's who, Here's who you missed. Number two is Jason Herring at Refurio. He has 90.4%. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, number four... Hank Carter, eighty-eight point one percent at Lake Travis. He's one hundred and eighteen and sixteen. Oh yeah, Hank Carter. Yeah. At one hundred and sixteen and sixteen, eighty-seven point nine percent. Chris Ketting at Canadian. At um, seventy-seven and eleven, uh, another three A. Brock coach Chad Worrell is seventy-seven and eleven, eighty-seven point five. Down to eighty-seven point three. You have Dave Hennigan at Denton Ryan, who is a hundred or sixty-two and nine. Uh, he's th- been really good at Denton Ryan. He really he's has been. been. Yeah. I mean, basically, he's he's only lost like semifinals. It's kind of like his his yeah deal. his thing, right? Not 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 his thing, but I mean, he's this just one, shows how good he is. This one kind of surprised me, but I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Uh, at number eight, with its eighty-seven point two percent winning percentage, one hundred nine and sixty, Brady Carney at Munster. Man, they've had a great run since in the past five, six years. They've been really good. Um, and then, just over the mark, fifty-nine games coached, fifty-one and eight, is Kevin Hoffman at Mart. Also, oh, just over the lip, lip at fifty-seven games, coach forty-nine and eight is Carl Absek at Cedar Park. He's got eighty-six percent, and rounding out the top of uh, these eleven, the only coaches with an eighty-five percent winning percentage at their at their current school, Cornell Thompson at West Orange Stark is one hundred and two and eighteen at West Orange Stark. Uh, Terry Gamble will join that list, and he will have. Uh, the number one ranking on this. He will be, let's assume, can we do, Can we go on a limb and say they're going to beat Plano? Alan's going to beat Plano? Hey, Plano's 2-1. They've won two in a row. Plano's 2-1. And, and, and Alan, Alan Scuffled last week. Yeah. No Raylan Sharp. Who was that against last week? I uh, Capel. Oh, is that right? Oh, interesting. Yeah, and, and they didn't have Raylan Sharp, so right. there's, but, you know, it's very unlikely, but it's, you know. Win or lose, win or lose, he will be number one. He currently sits at 47-2 and two at Allen. Uh, oh, 47-2. <laughs> That's insane. So he will coach his 50th game, and he will become the 12th coach uh, with a winning percentage of over 85%. By the way, right on the outside looking at 84.9 is Phil Danaher, who's 393-70-2. and two. 
Um, so that is your Texas High School football fun fact of the week. Other guys that were up there, by the way, that were interested, if you're interested, that were really close. Uh, Matt Hill from New Deal is right outside of it. So is Scott Surratt. So is Jake Fizell, Todd Rogers at Argyle, Todd Dodge at uh, Westlake, John King, and then uh, Brent West and Claude Mathis at DeSoto. Uh, yeah, Todd Rogers and Brent West were like my next two. If I yeah. if I if I'd have hit on one, I was mm-hmm. gonna go Todd, Todd Rogers yeah. and Brent West. Those are two two of my lists. So those are, that's your Texas high school ball fun fact of the week. All right, Matthew, let's get into a quick week three recap. And week three was um, if you look at our rankings, it's so funny because it was equal parts extreme chalk. Literally, six A went twenty four and zero. The six eight or six eight uh, rankings? 20, 22 and one. Twenty two and oh, that's right. Twenty two and one, and the one was Westfield losing to North Shore on the last second in, field goal. In the last second field goal, yep. Yeah, um, so that was extremely chalky. I want to say like two A Division one was also super chalky. Um, there were there were a couple that were just just right down the line. You don't have to touch it. But let's talk about two things. First, let's talk about five A Division one. And I think this is the talking point here, and I've mentioned it on on every podcast known to man. So I'll I'll let you talk about it. Am I wrong in overstating? I think that I think Lone Star beating Highland Park is a seismic seismic deal uh, in five A Division one. Yeah, I think it 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 removes the cloak of invisibility from Highland Park. Not only that they lost, but that that they lost at home. And we're talking about a Highland Park team that hasn't lost at home to a Texas team since Denison beat them in October of 1998. You know what I was doing in October of 1998? I was I was getting ready for my senior year playing basketball oh at every high school. <laughs> is that where is that where that ba- is that where that famous photo comes from? Yes, that was my, that was my senior. We may have been, we may have taken that picture the day Denison beat Highland Park oh at, at Highlander Stadium. Um, so, so it's been a long time since Highland Park lost to, to a Texas team. So not only Highland Park losing, but the fact that they lost at home, I think, gives um, everyone now some some pause as far as Highland Park's not invincible. They are not unbeatable. That, that, it, that it can be done. Well, and now the, 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 I think the, 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 the door is open for a number of contenders, not only in the state, but specifically in Region 2, when you look at Lone Star and Highland Park potentially playing in the third round of the playoffs this year yeah. in a rematch. In, on a neutral site. And, and, and by the way, the other thing about that is, at least for the first half, Lone Star worked them. Lone Star, yes. th- this was not a fluky win. Lone Star was the better team on Friday night. Uh, and they were the team that I think, I mean, I, I, I came away really, really impressed by what we saw from, from Lone Star. They they went into Highlander Stadium and they, they, they kind of followed the game plan that John Tyler almost did, which is you got to jump on them early. But then the other part of that is that you got to keep punching. You got to keep. Oh yeah, punching. you you if, if you've got Highland Park down, you you keep. It's like the horror movie where yeah. you you keep you keep stabbing Freddy Krueger a thousand times. You if you give them if you give Highland Park an inch, they're going they're going to come back and get you. Yeah, I, I think I tweeted that um, Friday night while I was at my game. I think Lone Star was up 
I think Kyla Park had just it was like twenty four to seven or yeah. something, and I was like, Lone Star better keep scoring. Yeah. And now, granted, to credit to Lone Star's credit, the first half, if Lone Star wouldn't have scored another point the rest of the game, they would have still won the game. Mm-hmm. But you know, Highland Park made a run in the second half and outscored Lone Star nineteen to six. So, uh, as John Tyler unfortunately learned in the playoffs last year, you better you better keep your foot on the throat when you're playing Highland Park because they are. They're too good. They're too prideful, and and they will come back and beat you if you don't if you let them. Well, and that's what's so interesting to me about about now. You take a look at um, five edition one is like it's not just that they fall back to the pack. If you believe that this means they fall back to the pack, which I tend to believe that it at least puts them, it at least puts other contenders in the mix. That contender list is really interesting because obviously there's Lone Star. Uh, Denton Ryan, of course, now they've got to feel like, okay, maybe somebody, maybe somebody, you know, knock them down a peg. Maybe we can get them if we get a chance. Shadow Creek, um, uh, I think Lufkin is still very dangerous. I think Hutto has suddenly looked very, very dangerous, very much reloaded. I think Lancaster is really interesting. I think College Station, after their win over Huntsville, is interesting. Mm-hmm. And heck, I mean, if you're a team like San Antonio Wagner, I think you're looking at that and you're going, why not us? You know? Yeah, the, the, the door is open now, and I, you know, speaking of Hutto, I had a coach text me, an unnamed coach in Region Two, who saw some film on Hutto, and he texted me and said he he was incredibly impressed with Hutto. He watched some tape on him. I guess they're playing, uh, you know, an opponent of Hutto's coming up, and he he goes, "That's a that's a state title good team," mm-hmm. which we thought Hutto was going to be kind of down this year, and and their defense is really really good, and their sophomore quarterback is is going to do nothing but get better. So I, I think five AD one has all of a sudden got incredibly fascinating because. Although Highland Park is still in that list of favorites, they are not head and shoulders the favorite uh, like they were a week ago. So now, um, so then there's so that's five division one, and I think that was one of the big headlines. The other one was the. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I don't know this for a fact because I haven't gone back and looked at every single rankings of every single week of every single year of Texas high school football. I, I'm comfortable saying that we've never had a week like we saw in 2A Division 2, where we had eight of our top ten lose. And it, it, it's, I've never seen anything like that. And Craig Wade told me he's never no. seen anything like that. It's it's something I've never seen doing rankings. And, and in this Division 1, Division 2 split world that we have, um, I guess it can happen again because if – Especially in the smaller classifications, a lot of school. Let's be honest. The top in two A Division two, and I think I, I mentioned this in, in the comments on TFT, TF today. Um, that the, the depth in two A Division two is not there. You've got a clear delineation between the first twelve teams mm-hmm. and in the field, and it's a big gap. And it's not like that in the other classifications. So outside of those top ten teams, they either in non district for the most part either have to play each other or play teams above their weight class. Mm-hmm. And that's what we saw this past week in 2A Division Two, where the eight teams that lost all lost to teams in 2A Division One, 3A Division Two, and in some cases 3A Division One. Yeah. So and in that so you have schools with a hundred kids, hundred and twenty kids playing schools in 3A Division One. I'm not sure where the 3A – off the top of my head, I don't know where 3A Division One the cut line is. I can look but it's, it's well over 300, I know that, uh, to, for the top end of 3A Division One. So that's – basically you're playing a school three times your size right. at, that, at that level. 
So to put that in perspective, that that would be like a five A 5A Division two school playing Galena Park North Shore. Let's put this or way, Dun- or Duncanville. Let's put this right. Way. So so we're we're speaking kind of uh, a little bit like we're talking a, a bit about Franklin, right? Franklin went and beat Mart. Uh, in a very close game, twenty to sixteen, Franklin goes and beats Mart. Franklin has an enrollment of three hundred and fifty. Let me just mm-hmm. pull up Mart's enrollment real quick, if you don't mind. Mart's enrollment is uh, one hundred and fifty-seven. Yeah. Okay, we're talking like basically well like, over almost, over twice their size. Right. And and so I think that was our our big challenge with those rankings in two A Division two is. You don't want to underreact, right? Because these are losses, and with some of these teams, especially some of them, were kind of ugly losses. Granted, to good yep. teams, mm-hmm. like Albany. Albany lost to Eastland. Eastland's a three A Division one team, also. Yeah, and and but they got blown out. So the, I dropped Eastland a little bit mm-hmm. in, in 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 my projection. And no, no, you, me and you got we talked about it. And we kind of table talked it a little bit. I thought Albany should drop because they, they they weren't competitive in the game whereas yeah. Mart was more than competitive and I thought they should be rewarded for that because of that. now most weeks I don't think Mart would get rewarded for that this was just that weird once every 10 or 15 years kind of kind of thing where everyone lost yeah I think things will things will start to shake out because we're we're entering hashtag bye week season uh, yeah. where teams start to have buys and district play will begin. So I think that, that will all kind of shake itself out. But it was really an odd thing to see so many teams and well, the carnage uh, across the board into AD2. And don't take our word for it, okay? Don't take our word for it. Please don't. Uh, because I think that you're looking at this and, and people are like, well, how do you keep Hamlin at number one despite they lost to – to Holly. Well, first of all, they lost to Holly by two. By the way, look at our computer rankings. You know where Hamlin is? Number one. State yeah. Number one. And there are going to be other people who are like, oh, well, you moved Mart up after a loss? That doesn't make any sense. How do they bump up from five to three with a loss? Uh, they bumped up from six to two in our computer rankings. Um, you know what an interesting game for me this, and this is not a hipster game, but just this is something that I think is going to put some 2A two, two Division two rankings in perspective a little bit more. Albany plays Holly this week. Yes, they do. So now we're going to be able to at least get a comparable between number one Hamlin, number four Albany, because Hamlin and Albany play in week 11. So I think we're going to get an early kind of gauge as to where those two teams stand, at least against a common op- an elite common opponent, because Holly is our number nine team in our 2A Division One rankings. So I think that'll be a great – I'm going to be keeping an eye on that game just to see if – because here's the thing. Here, here's what I'm looking at. Hamlin – and t- what do you th- tell me? What you think of this? this we, we can, we can. This is our premium podcast. Sure. We can table talk. We can, uh, yeah. What if Albany beats Holly? Yeah. Now you've got a comparable result. Does Holly have to jump Hamlin in the rankings because Hamlin lost to Holly by two? What if Albany beats Holly? What if Albany blows Holly out? So it really gives us a good insight into where those two teams stand and how the, the picture shapes up in 2A Division Two. That's Fa- gonna, fascinating stuff this week. That's what's going to be really interesting. And, and I'll say this, that if, if, if Albany goes and they beat – if they beat Holly and they beat them convincingly, I'm cool jumping – I'm cool giving them a big leap. I'm cool. Yeah. I'm cool putting them maybe top three, and um, because you know that would be that would be a signature signature win um, to do that against a Holly team that is really rolling right now. That is a game, by the way. I spotlight. I didn't spotlight it, but it's one of my. It's not in the lightning round, but it's in that middle section of of games that I talk about in the picks. I'm really interested in Albany and Holly. I think that game's super fascinating, and I think you're right. That's like. 
uh, we'll get we'll get that kind of that transitive property. And I hate that because it's not apples to apples because styles make fights. But at the same absolutely. Time, but at the same time, you're exactly right that like if Albany goes out there and they work Holly, okay. It's- that it's going to be kind of one of those light bulb moments. You're going to be like, hmm, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. We're going to file that away in the memory bank because we're we're just taking in data like the computer's right. taking it in. Now we're, and so I think that's something that we'll we'll take away and be like, you know, we, can, we discuss these teams. Well, you know, this is what happened here. At least it gives us a at least it gives us a starting point, which we're starting to get those dots that are connecting. And this is kind of an indirect way of connecting dots, but at least gives us an extra window into that matchup later on this year. So now let's move on to week four, Matthew. It's time for our draft. It's time for the uh, week four Tep and Step draft. If this is your first episode, welcome. This is how it works. We're going to go back and forth to selecting games uh, once uh, that we are most interested in. Once it has been picked, it is off the board. Uh, we will do five rounds uh, going back and forth. Um, there were some people in the comments who were concerned about the integrity of the coin flip. Yes, did Ashley witness the coin flip? Uh, Ashley witnessed the coin flip. Matt okay. Step won the coin flip, which kind of removes all the, all the, you know, all the. Kind of does, yeah, yeah. kind of does. But in any case, Matt Step won the coin flip. So Matt Step, your number one draft pick in the week four Tep and Step draft. I'm gonna go a little off the board because there's one game that that I know probably is gonna get mentioned, uh, and I, I'm gonna leave that to you because I, I'm. I'm going to defer to you. I'm on the road. But I'm going to go into DFW Class 6A, 2-0 and Arlington Martin, visiting 2-1 and Rockwall. Mm-hmm. And I think a, a really fascinating matchup from from a style perspective because what it's strength on strength here because you've got the Martin defense against the Rockwall offense – Martin's defense has been unbelievable. Rockwall's offense has been a flamethrower through the first three games. Also, both of these teams are incredibly good on special teams. Bob Wager is a special teams guru. Rodney Webb is a special teams guru. So both special teams are going to be going against each other. And I think those two matchups are really going to be key because, you know, the Martin offense hasn't been anything to write home about. And then Rockwall's defense has given up a lot of points. Let's make no mistake about it. Yes. So I think I think the matchup, especially of the Martin defense against the Rockwall offense, is going to be super super intriguing because Martin's had a week to prepare for this. Now Martin has had a weird week three bye last week, and Arlington Hyde did as well. And the reason why they had a bye last week is because. If you remember in realignment a couple of years ago, Fort Worth YMLA was put into this district, mm. and they dropped football after realignment when they found out they were 6A. So it left Martin and Arlington with a hole in the schedule, scrambling. So instead of finding a week three game when everyone was already filled up, they found a week four game with Rockwall, who's in a 17 district, and who needed a game. So that's how this game kind of came about, and that's how Martin has the we- the weird – week three by but i'm wondering what kind of tricks does bob wager have up his sleeve with a week off to prepare for this game yeah. so that, that's really the, the fascinating thing but man rock Rockwall just drilled arlington Bowie last week uh really wasn't competitive um their offense i think they put up 58 points um it was you know there's just just Bowie had no answers for him. It was 50, 58 to 33 and it really wasn't that close that the Bowie kind of scored some touchdowns late to kind of kind of make it a little a little window dressing. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm really interested. I, I think the key is going to be, can Martin get pressure on the Rockwell quarterback? If they can do that, then I and rattle the sophomore quarterback who's lit it up, I think that gives the Warriors a chance. But if, if this game gets into a shootout, 
I, I think it's Rockwall all the way. Martin doesn't have the horses to compete with Rockwall in a shootout. I'll just I'll just say that if Rockwall gets in a shoot, if you get in a shootout with Rockwall, if you're any team, you probably don't have the horses to run with Rockwall. Yeah, outside of maybe Highland Park. Who's, yeah, that's, who's that's a, the line. It's a very there, short not list. Many. It's a very yeah, short that, list. That, that list is not long at all. So I, I think it's really fascinating. And I, I, I like Rockwall. Even though Martin's ranked higher than Rockwall, mm-hmm. I like Rockwall on this game because I think Martin's special team advantage that they have in most games is negated in this game. I, I don't think Rodney Webb and his special teams will allow Martin to, to do the things they did to Hebron uh, two weeks ago. Computers got this as a pick uh, this is our number 14 team in 6A taking on our number 17 team in 6A. That's Martin Rockwall, respectively. So, figures to be a good one. I think it's I think it's an excellent game. And I think that uh, Wilkerson Sanders, right? Out there in Rockwall? Yes, home of the uh, Babe's Fried Chicken Press Box spread. That'll be, that'll be rocking on Friday night because Rockwall gets, Rockwall gets turned for a big game like this. This will be a lot of they fun. They do. They do. Um, all right. Uh, you went off the board for the first one. I am going to go extremely on the board because... Uh, hey Matt, we we have not only is it number one versus number two, but it's also um a re, like a rematch of a state championship game that we saw, and the third time that we're seeing these two teams play in a calendar year, it is Grandview, the defending three division one state champs, going on the road to take on the Malakoff Tigers uh, out there on Cedar Creek Lake. And this game interests me for a lot of reasons, not only because it's the third in a trilogy, and by the way, it wouldn't necessarily be a surprise if it is the fourth in a whatever, the four four version of quartet, whatever you call it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because both these teams look really good. And now Mahay, or now Mahaya pushed Malakoff last week. They did. I was a little surprised by that. I think, I mean, Frank Sandoval's got a good team at Mahaya, mm-hmm. but I was a little surprised by that. And, I, and I'm not sure if Malakoff's got some guys banged up or, or, or what's going on there, but that, that, that worries me a little bit because Dane Yench and that, and that Grandview attack mm-hmm. has been, uh, throwing flames at people early on this year. Well, they, they had, um, I'm looking at the at kind of the box score here against against Mejia. They built up a 17 nothing lead and ended up winning 17 to 14. It looks like they really Kiwi Rose was pretty limited. Uh, five carries for 19 yards. Now they spread the ball around a lot. Malakoff does between him, between Dedrick Davis, between Deuce Hart. They let Darian Peace, their quarterback, throw the ball a fair amount, and he runs as well. Um, he, uh, Darian Peace carried the ball 16 times. So I wonder if they are saving up. I wonder if they're trying to keep, keep you know, uh, manage Kiwi Rose. Because I would say Kiwi Rose is probably their number, he's probably their number one back. Um, yeah. Was R.J. Carr in, in, in their box score at all, or, uh, or is he? I am not seeing R.J. Carr anywhere in the, in the, in the. In the... I've not heard much about him. And I, I know he was banged up a lot last year, and he's a big piece for Malakoff if he's not available, too. So that's. You know, they don't have Malakoff doesn't have the kind of depth that Grandview has. I don't think so. That that's one thing. Malakoff, I don't know if they can sustain injuries like Grandview can. But the other thing I will say is that I I maintain that Malakoff's true strength is on their defense, and especially in their front seven. I think their front seven is really really solid, and uh, the kind of uh, I think that it is the it's a really really solid team that that. Uh, their linebacker Colby Rush. They got a defensive lineman named Zamir Ruiz that I'm really interested in, and that is the that is the matchup for me. Is the front seven going up against Dane Yench and this Grandview attack uh, that can run the ball? Elijah Golden, obviously, their running back is really really good, um, but. You know, in a lot of ways, Grandview has a guy that is their guy. It's it's Dane Yench, and he's the straw that serves the drink. 
And he does, if you saw that state championship game, he does a lot of his damage, not necessarily running the ball, but extending plays with his feet. Um, and, and that's going to be the, the real challenge here for Malakoff. Um, Grandview has been cruising along. Grandview has really kind of been just grinding people into dust. Uh, and, you know, this was a team that we knew was going to be pretty good this year. Started the year number one. We think they're their favorites to repeat. Um, now, I, you know, the, the, the op- opening week win over Glen Rose is their best result. Uh, this is their toughest road test. They're going. They went to Hillsboro and they beat and they they overmatched Venus. Now they go to Malakoff. Um, and then the other thing that's that's super interesting to me is the coaching matchup. In that you've got um, a Jamie Driscoll, the coach at, at at Malakoff, who knows this Grandview team really well, right? Going up against Ryan Ebner, who was on the staff at Grandview last year, so he knows he knows this Malakoff team very well. But let's also be real; he is coaching his fourth. He's the head coach in his fourth ever game. Now going on the road for a big test for a team against a team that, let's be real, wants their pound of flesh. They they would love nothing more than to exact a little bit of revenge on the Zebras. So I'm really interested in this one. I think it's an obvious, obvious pick for this draft. Uh, when you're talking about one versus two, rematch of the state championship game, I, just, I don't know. I, I, think it's, I think it's just staring you in the face, and sometimes it's just, sometimes it's just easier to go with the most obvious one. Absolutely, and, and you know one thing to keep an eye keep to remember about Grandview is they're a little they got some injuries in the offensive line, but they do have their running back Tremaine Gallette, mm. who missed most of last year. He's back and he's teaming with Elijah Golden to kind of give the Zebras a really nice uh, one-two punch there in, in the running game. So you know they've got they've got a little bit little depth, and, and Dane Yench I think is the is the guy. He, he's he's just been he's been unbelievable as a he started as a freshman two years ago, and he's he's just been unbelievable. And I, I think uh, he's a guy that that. He's kind of a difference maker for the mm-hmm. for the zebras, and I think he's he's the guy. And I think in this game, he made the difference in the state championship game, and I think he's the difference maker in this one as well. I think I think you're right. Uh, not to spoil my picks because it's not a picks podcast, but um, I do lean towards the champs even on the road. But I think this will be a really interesting game. All right, Matthew, what is your second pick? I'm heading down to the Alamo City, a big game in San Antonio. I'm staying big school. Converse Judson at three and zero, visiting Cibolo Steel at three and zero in a district opener. And I think this is a game that we're going to know if Steele's back for real or not in this in this matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Steele's been impressive to open the year. They're three zero. That they've been really good in the, through the first two games. Their defense had some issues, uh, but they got it together last week in a in a twenty eight nothing shutout over San Antonio Churchill. Uh, Wyatt Beagle at quarterback. He, he's he's he seems like he's been there forever. He started, I believe, almost thirty games Jeez. already. He's Three games into his junior year, um, he had you know a couple of touchdowns last week. It was kind of a workmanlike performance from Steele, but but when Steele's elite, they have those kind of games. When you look at the years that Steele has been really really good, they'll go and win a game twenty eight nothing, twenty eight seven on you. So mm-hmm. um, that's that's a positive thing for Steele. Um, but their, their defense is going to be tested this week because Mike Chandler and that and that Judson offense uh, is rolling. And they they took care of Harlingen last week, thirty nine to nothing. Uh, Chandler's been really good. DeAnthony Lewis, the, the other running back, has the, the running back has been mm-hmm. has been outstanding. And Chandler and and, and a really a, a deep group of receivers um, has gotten the job done. So um, Judson's defense has been a little shaky. So I'm I'm interested to see just kind of how this matchup takes place, or kind of takes shape, because I you know for years this, you know for five years or so this was the game in San Antonio. It's lost a little oh, yeah. luster because Steele's kind of dropped off the map a little bit. But I, I think if if 
Steel just keeps this game competitive. I think it's going to say a lot of good things about the Knights and, and their chance to compete uh, with Austin Westlake, who, who absolutely is the uh, the favorite in uh, in Region 4 right now. Yeah, and, and by the way, if you're interested as far as playoff implications are concerned, this is a district game, but uh, these two teams are going opposite directions. Um, uh, Steel will definitely be in Division 2, and Judson will be in Division 1. And so there's no, um, there's no implications there. But it's still, you know, we've kind of been talking about how is this the year that San Antonio makes a little bit of a comeback? Is this the year that they are able to, to kind of get over that hump and get a contender once again? Well, we'll find out because here's because, you know, we're talking you, you've mentioned a lot about steel. Are they back? Um, I'll say this, that if, if, if Judson goes out there and they thump them like I'm willing to listen to them, especially with a down Lake Travis, what, what or what appears to be a down Lake Travis. Um, if that door is cracked in Division One, right, then Judson could be that team to walk through it. Now, you know, whoever comes out of Region Four will have to deal with whoever comes out of Region Three uh, in a semifinal. But um, it, I think it goes both ways in the sense that if if Steel comes out there and gets a win, or Steel plays it really really tight, I think you and I look at this and say, "All right, boy, Steel is a team to keep an eye on for Six A Division Two uh, as at least you know chief challenger to Westlake." Uh, Absolutely, but on the other side, if if Judson goes out there and they put the work to him, like I'm going to sit up and pay attention. I really like. I, I think I've mentioned this before. We knew Mike Chandler was going to be really impressive for Judson, but this DeAnthony Lewis, the running back, has been a real pleasant surprise. And I think that he's added a new element to that Rockets attack that makes this really, uh, really interesting. Yeah, I think this is a great game. Lenoff Stadium, be jumping there and sit below. It'll be good. All right, my second pick is I'm going to the Houston area, and I am going to a game that somehow, and maybe it's because I'm in DFW, but somehow I feel like nobody's talking about this game. I feel like nobody's talking about Fort Penn Marshall and Manville. <laughs> um, and maybe it's because Manville was not Manville last year, right? Yeah, they weren't. They weren't, for yeah. sure. But I'll tell you what, they... I, Everybody I talked to at Manville in, during, during coaching clinic season told me they were, you know, that, that, that they thought they were a year away, and they're off to a great start. Um, I will be, I'll be honest, man. Like the more I look into what Manville's been doing this week, this year, man, I am really impressed. And I'm not. Look, they beat Clear Lake. Clear Lake, uh, you know, they're down this year. They're, 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 they're down. down. Crosby's down this year, uh, and then they beat Houston Sharpstown. Whether they just they they blew them out. Um, so I'm not saying they've played this murderous row. But this quarterback, Tucker Yarbrough, has been really sharp. Um, they have a just wide swath of receivers. A ton of dudes out there. I don't know if they have that, like... Well, I'm shocked Manville has dudes at receiver. I'm stunned. Uh, I don't know if they have that, like, game-breaker like they had when they had, like, Jalen Preston. They do have a receiver named Jalen Paxton that I think is really solid. But they've got, more importantly, they've just got just this wide swath of dudes. Uh, and by the way, their defense is putting in work. Their defense is getting in the backfield. Uh, they're, they're making plays all over the field. And I don't know. I really like they get a lot of a lot of guys in the secondary are young. They're sophomores, but they're playing. They're coming up with big time plays. Um, this Manville team, I think, is flying under the radar. They can put themselves on the on the radar this week if they beat Fort Ben Marshall. And, and Fort Ben Marshall is um, is is kind of doing what Fort Ben Marshall we kind of expected them to do. You know, uh, when you have the kind of playmakers they have back, like Devonta Chan and like Malik Hornsby, that's what you expect them to do. And and both those guys have been good. Uh, although they've been largely, uh, they haven't needed them as much uh, because their first uh, three games have been absolute, just just 
beat down to the exception of a, uh, they, they beat Hightower 19 and nothing. But that underscores, I think, the real strength of this team, which is this defense is nasty. This defense is playing really it's, well. It's been really good early early in the year. And and like you said, we knew Marshall was going to score points. But if they get that defense going, then then they're – I mean, they're, they're, a team, they're, they're obviously still a team to beat in Region 3, but they, they take that next step and, and become you know prohibitive favorite yeah. in, in that region for the, sure. The name that I keep coming back to is Norman Baker, who's kind of this little outside linebacker, safety type guy, and he has been all over the field. He's got three sacks already. Um, he's got you know nine nine tackle nine tackles three tackles for loss. Uh, this guy has been all over the place, um, and that's that to me is is going to be the because the other thing about this is when these two teams get together, it is pointsy. It's real pointsy. This was the game last year that Devon Chan ha- ha- just like went bananas because Hornsby wasn't playing yet, right? And Chan was still playing quarterback, and I think he scored. T- he had like rushing, passing, receiving, and I think a kick return for a touchdown in the game. Fifty-two, fifty-one was the final last year, and yeah. and that is by the way, fifty-two, fifty-one is on the higher end, but is not like outrageously way way higher scoring than this game normally is. These games these games tend to be in the 50s. So so that is where I lean a little bit towards Marshall is that defense has been really good. Uh, they've shown up and they've made the big plays. Um, it's going to be fun at Hall Stadium, uh, a district opener. And and you know, yep. it it matters. It, it you know, these games now matter and it, you know, especially if you're Manville, I think you've got a chance to to signal to the entire state uh, that you're back. Um, and it, it, and if they're back, then suddenly five A Division two gets if Region three gets funky, you know what I mean? Because then absolutely, th- then they could see each other again in the playoffs. You could have a team. You could have. A, I mean, heck, if that opens the door for other teams, I mean, PNG lurks. Maybe you dream on a team like Lamar Consolidated or a team like uh, or A and M Consolidated. I mean, there's a lot I- of interest interest here. I, I don't want, and I don't think I necessarily need to see Manville win this game. But if if Manville is close, mm-hmm. and it sounds weird to say because Marshall only beat Manville by a point last year, but we've all kind of thought Manville was was going to take a, a big step back this year. I think if Manville just keeps this game competitive and close, I think we we have to elevate Manville into the contender category. But also, I think it gives Manville a lot of confidence. To say that, hey, we played with these guys in the first game. If we play them again in the playoffs, we we can beat them. Yeah. So, and I think another big key in this game is is avoiding a round two matchup with Huntsville. Yes, that is you, huge. Because if Huntsville lost to College Station, but their quarterbacks Matt, Matthew Southern is out. Yeah. Huntsville with Southern is a different team. Correct. You don't want to see Huntsville in the second. That is a no. That's difficult that's, second round that's, matchup. That's ask, instant. Death. Ask Manville what happened last year. Ask that, Fort Ben Marshall know. what happened last yeah. year. When they Huntsville play probably feels like they should have beat Huntsville. So, so the winner of this game likely avoids that second round matchup because I, I just I don't think you want you want that no. matchup in the second round of the playoffs. No, if you can, if you can help it, you want to you want to wait as long as you can to play those guys. Yeah, I agree. All right, that's my second pick. What is your third pick, Matthew? Well, I'm going to go to West Texas and a. If if this wasn't a game that I highlighted in our preview, this would be a, a, a definite hipster pick. As three and O Fort Stockton visits three and O San Angelo Lakeview. What a and and I what a perfectly matched up game to pick. <laughs> absolutely, Fort Stockton was was actually my hipster pick going into the year in four in four A Division Two Region One, 
uh, eight and three year last year, um, brought a lot of talent back and they had to kind of find a quarterback. Now the issue with Fort Stockton is they, they're, they're beat up at quarterback. They got down to quarterback three last week in their, in their 38 seven win over El Paso at Riverside. But, you know, Dominic Aguilar, who normally plays running back, moved to quarterback, threw a touchdown pass, had a rushing touchdown, and he also kicked a field goal in the win. They, they're taking on a Lakeview team that we, I know we mentioned them on on the show this week. They're three and oh for the first time since 1983. Um, 32-19 win over Snyder. You know, Fort Stockton is going to, I don't think their starting quarterback's going to play this week, so they're going to be at least on their backup. So they're going to run, they're going to keep the ball on the ground and they're going to run the ball and they're going to try to run right at San Angelo Lakeview. The thing that teams have tried to do against Lakeview is throw the ball early in the year. And Lakeview's got a really good secondary. They've got a guy who's got five interceptions already in three games. And then Austin Dandy, uh, had a fumble return for a touchdown, played offense last week, had two touchdown receptions. So the Lakeview defense is very opportunistic. Fort Stockton, the key, they're, they're kind of a ball control run right at you team and then they play really tough defense. So. That formula will, I think, work against Lakeview if they can stick to it. I don't think they're going to put the ball up very much in this game with their third-string quarterback playing. Um, I think they're going to kind of keep it on the ground. And ironically, I think that may help them because I think Lakeview uh, usually will feast off a team's mistakes. And I think Fort Stoff is going to keep this one close to the best. Yeah, this game's really interesting to me. And, and you know, whenever you get to a 3-0, and then you're talking about teams that are, you know, th- that's not that's not generally pretty fluky. And I know we're big fans of Mike Peters out here, around here, uh, and what he's building out there uh, with in, in Paisano Pete Land. Uh, but Lakeview is such a great story, and and if they can keep this thing rolling, um, I would love to see where this thing goes. I don't know. I I am. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I think maybe Lakeview. And it's so weird to say that. Like, of course, there's a travel aspect to it, but both these teams are so used to it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, Fort Stockton's <laughs> not close. Fort Stockton's like close to. So I think Fort Stockton is close to Monahan's, and I think it's an hour from Monahan. So I think, I you know, now I'd love to go to San Angelo, and I should tell Mike Peters to bring us some tacos, OJ, to this game. I but I, I, I think, I think this is going to come down to, I, I Fort Stockton's the favorite, and I think it's because of their their ability in the trenches. And Lakeview, they're in a four team district; they're in the playoffs already. But I think this is going to be the real Lakeview's three wins are, are over. I think they're the teams that they've beaten are combined. I think one and eight mm-hmm. early in the year. So I think this is going to be the first real, okay, is Lakeview for real? Are they a district title contender and a sleeper in region one, or have they benefited from a soft early schedule? Yeah, uh, I think, I think you're right. And, and we'll find out a lot about, uh, especially about Lakeview. Uh, but they moved to four and oh, Tom starts sitting up, sitting up paying attention to the Chiefs. That's that's for darn sure. I'm gonna start stealing that sign, uh, that shine from Angry Orange. In town. I'm telling you, especially you know Angry Orange one and two. Although They're one and know, two right now. Although they, I, I do, do want to say that you know we talked about them on on the show last week. Um, I do think that that they performed pretty well, and you know they just they coughed it up at the very end. Yeah, was, that was a. If there's such thing as a good loss, that that counts as a good loss against Cedar Park. I just got a text message from my mom. This is 100 percent true, um, and she. <laughs> She she's asking she she's like I have a high school football question. That is the kind of relationship we have with our mothers at this point. Um, all right, so are you gonna, are you going to answer it? You uh, got to answer it. No, you right. can't leave your mom hanging. Uh, I will answer it after the podcast. I will tell her okay. that I was answering. It. I will answer it. Wow, mom, if you're listening, DCTF insiders. Actually, I don't know. I don't know if she's. I don't know if she's an insider. I don't know. No, but you're, you're 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 telling the insiders that right now they're more important than your mom. You're you have taken precedence over my mom. Um, this is just a week of sacrifices for us. All right. Um, I'm going to go west as well. 
uh, but I'm going to go what even farther west. Oh, Let's wow. go to an extremely interesting matchup. Uh, it, it is uh, it's El Paso versus uh, it's a Little Southwest Conference Week. And uh, the headliner, I don't think there's any doubt about it, is Amarillo Tascosa going on the road to play El Paso Americas. And um, is Americas the best team in El Paso? Them or Franklin, right? It's them or Franklin. And I think this is – so Franklin's got two wins over Midland High and Permian. But uh, this year, I think you know it's pretty clear in the little, little Southwest Conference the two best teams are Tescos and Midland Lee. Yeah. So I think this is our first real test of the two best teams, one of the two best teams in El Paso, taking on one of the two best teams in the Little Southwest Conference. And if you are into high flying, wide open passing attacks, uh, might I suggest another game? Because yeah, this is not the game for you. This game is going to be two teams that are going to line it up. And they're going to run it at each other. Um, there's there's not going to be a ton of frills to this. The, the biggest frills that you're going to see is the fact that Tascosa runs the flex bone. That's as exotic as we're getting in this game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, America's is the uh, is the more uh, traditional offense for sure in this game. They're kind of they're a little bit eye base. Yeah, they're an eye base. They're, they're a one back type type team. Eye base. They are going to and and for good reason. Uh, they have. You know, we, we, every year there's there's at least one guy. There's one guy in El Paso that we that we just kind of keep hammering home. And I think that I think that it's important for us as you know people who cover the high school ball from a statewide perspective to inform people that there are great players out there in El Paso. And every year there's always one or two guys that we end up shining the spotlight on. And I will tell you, the guy is Aaron Dumas. It's the running back at El Paso Americas. This kid is amazing. He's the next big thing after um, Dion uh, Dion. Hankins left mm-hmm. uh, is, is gone after he left from uh, where was he last Parkland. Yep, Parkland. With, yeah. with him gone, the crown of the guy in El Paso that everyone says you got to go see has been passed to Aaron Dumas, and he went berserker last week against a New, a New Mexico team with like three hundred and seventy something yards um, and and seven and touchdowns. Seven touchdowns. He is a bona fide superstar running back. And that is what and, – and then, of course, if, if you've seen – if you paid attention at all to Amarillo Tuscosa, who, of course, was a state semifinalist a year ago, you know what they're about. They run the ball really, really well. By the way, um, not sure if you saw, but um, speaking of Amarillo Tascosa, and this is a very weird thing to say, but um, did you see in the, in the TCU-Purdue game, did you see who the leading rusher for Purdue was? Was it King Daru? It was King Daru. <laughs> nice. I was just popping across the box here. I was like, oh, hey, I know that guy. Um, but anyway, uh, they don't have King Daru anymore, but they still got Joseph Plunk. And Joseph Plunk is, is the operator. He's the guy who is in complete command of that offense. They've got a fair number of good running backs behind him. But this is going to be a team, or this is going to be a game that is just plain and simple. It, it's, not, it's not hard to understand how this game is going to be won or lost. It is who is going to be the better team in the trenches. Uh, if 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 America's if America's matches up with them in the trenches and just plays Tascosa to a draw in the trenches, you can make the argument that they're the favorite, especially at home with Aaron Tumas. But that is the big question: is can America's match up with Tascosa up front? Uh, you know, especially because Tascosa's got some some dudes up front. Some they're going to have size that America's simply doesn't. That's the question for me, is can they match up? Actually, I don't know if you know this, the computer likes Americas in this game. 
Um, really, that's the. I mean, I do think home field advantage is a factor in this game. That's a long road trip for Tascosa, but you know, one thing I've I've learned about the flex bone is it travels well. Yeah, it does. Uh, but they've got uh, computers got Americas by nine. Uh, which is, I mean, they've been impressed. The computer's obviously been impressed. Tesco said does have a loss on the year. Um, but, yeah, I, I think this game is super interesting. And uh, I think, for me, I know the computer has uh, uh, America's. I think Tascosa's the favorite. But this is a game to certainly keep an eye on. And you want to talk about, you want to talk about a feather in the cap for the El Paso, El Paso football world. That oh, they, for sure. If they can knock off the you know uh, if they can knock off uh, you know a team that played in a semifinal last year if they can do that you better believe that that is going to be the kind of thing that everybody in El Paso is talking about this is a huge Absolutely. huge game um, who does um yeah Midland Lee plays Eastwood which is a game that was a lot more interesting before Eastwood started one and two um, in yeah Bandy. I think Midland Lee is gonna gonna the other, have that the other that one game. yeah the other one in that one in in that, that these matchups that's kind of interesting is Andrus plays um, Wolfworth Friendship. Which I'm mildly be, interested in. There'll be some points in that game. Anders is kind of playing up, punching above their yeah. weight class in this game. But uh, friendship's been surprising yeah. as well. So um, I think the key in the America's Tascosa game is Tascosa's size. They're going to have a major size advantage, especially mm-hmm. on, the, uh, on their offensive line versus America's defensive line. And I just wonder if, if that's yeah. going to be a little too much for America's to overcome. Yeah, America's, so keep, keep an eye on that matchup. They've just got to find a way to match up. By the way, the other interesting one is um, is Pebble Hills and Central. Pebble Hills and Central is, is interesting as well. Although Pebble, Pebble Hills may be not as good as they were last year, but um, still interesting. So I, had, I think that's a Thursday game, Ooh, I think, uh, in, in El Paso. I think San Angelo's got to travel to El Paso as well. So that's, tasty. that's a game I think Pebble Hills has got to punch her chance. What is your fourth pick, Matthew? I'm going out to Beast, Texas, Greg, as mm. Gilmer, 2-1, and one, visits 3-0 and oh in s- surging Carthage. Um Carthage, I'll tell you what, I, I talked to a noted Carthage insider, Gabe Brooks, <laughs> and he, he's telling me that the folks in Carthage are incredibly excited about quarterback Kai Horton, and they feel like he's he's one of the best quarterbacks to come through in this this lineage of Carthage uh, state title contenders and, and signal callers they've had at, uh, in this run that C- Coach Surratt has had. Um, you know, Kelvante Dixon is a, is, a, is a do-it-all playmaker, and that Carthage defense has been Really, really good early in the year. They've outscored their three opponents by a t- combined 135 to 13. Ooh. Very, very impressive. Um, they're going against the Gilmore team who took it on the chin last week against Paris on homecoming. Now, why you schedule Paris for homecoming, I, I'm not sure. Uh, but G- let, me Gilmer, the, let me look at their schedule. What is it, like? What was the other option for them? Because you're right. That is a curious decision uh, by an otherwise pretty smart uh, group of folks out there in, in, in Gilmer. Let's see. Uh, well, their next home game is against Newton. That doesn't seem like a good idea. No, uh, probably not great. No, 10-11. They play Longview Spring Hill. My only guess is they don't want to schedule a district game that, during home. That must be that's, the only, that's the only explanation I can think man, of. Talk about, man, talk about great value for your season tickets if you're a Gilmer. You get Atlanta in the opener. You get Paris. I know you saw them lose, but still. You get Newton. You get Spring Hill and Pittsburgh. That is, that is good not value bad. for your season tickets. Absolutely. <laughs> now, Gilmer on the other. You know, now, one thing I say about Gilmer to their their running back Daryl Bush did not play against Paris, and he's a big part of their offense. And I think if Gilmer gets too reliant on quarterback Mason Hurt, they get into trouble. They've got to have that balance, and they've got to be able to mix the run and the pass well. If they get one dimensional, I think 
<clears throat> Carthage's defense is going to feast on them, just kind of like Paris did. Paris could have, if Paris didn't shoot themselves in the foot with penalties, they could, they probably could have won that game a lot worse last week. So I, Carthage is not going to make those kind of mistakes. So Gilmer's going to have to find some balance in this game. Yeah, uh, I, I tend to think that you're right. Um, this is a, um, this is an interesting squad uh, situation where, uh, you know, it's. It, if it basically were anybody besides Carthage, you'd be talking about Gilmer as a favorite because Gilmer's looked really good. I think. I think I've been very impressed with what they've been able to do. Um, my question is going to be, you know, Carthage, and especially, uh, it seems like they've found the quarterback, which was the question in the off season. Is like, can they find uh, a quarterback? But but you're exactly right that Kai Horton has been sharp, sharp, sharp. Um, and so I think that's that's an, an interesting interesting matchup. That um, yeah, I think I think that's a good pick. And it's the obvious pick in East Texas. That's like that's the game. Uh, so uh, I think that that's. A good I agree pick. with you on the Gilmer part. Gilmer's been very impressive. Yeah. So I'm not going to make too much of their loss to Paris. I think they definitely need they need all hands on deck. They don't have the depth that maybe they've had during their Halcyon days. Mm-hmm. But if they have all hands on deck. This is a really, really good Gilmer team that, that that can play with just about anybody. For my fourth pick, Matthew, we're going south. We're going south-south. We're going to Laredo. And okay. we are going to talk a little bit about... I don't think... I'll be, I'll be entirely honest. I don't think... In South Texas, let me look at let me look up other games. Is there a game that I'm just missing? It doesn't. Start, I remember when I was looking through it, I was like, man, it's just kind of off week in in in, in South Texas, kind of the the Laredo area. And then if you go down the Rio Grande Valley, it's not the six A's are on by yeah, this week. I think it's just kind of a it's a ho hum week. Uh, the best game in the Rio Grande Valley. I mean, besides this one, uh, Sherilyn and Hannah, but th- that game, again, I think has lost a little bit of its luster. I think Mission Memorial and Rio Grande City is interesting, but uh, undefeated Rio Grande City. But, district ball game, yeah. yeah. It's a district ball game, yeah. Yeah, but I would say that this is the game that, that I'm going to be paying attention to in both of those regions, both the South Texas region with kind of greater, greater Laredo and um, this. It's San Benito at Laredo United. These are two teams that have become quite familiar with one another recently. Uh, they've been playing each week. In fact, they uh, in the last realignment, at 16 and 17, I, they opened with one another. And I remember that very distinctly because I, I think we sent, uh, for Texas Football Days on Fox, we sent a reporter to down there to um, to San Benito, or rather to uh, United uh, for Laredo United and San Benito. This is an interesting. Was that the year San? That was the year San Benito went like twelve and one, right? Yes, that was year. T- yeah. uh, they went twelve and was one. Sixteen. Yeah, I want to say that's yeah. true. Um, so uh, Laredo United, this is a, an interesting matchup, um, and San Benito looked good last week. They got a quarterback named Smiley Silva, which is... That's a great name. Awesome. Great name. Uh, dual threat guy, and the defense played particularly well in this one. Uh, United's got a quarterback we knew about uh, in Huayo Huerta, who is uh, is kind of doing work. You know, there were some questions early about his health. He was a little bit nicked up, I want to say. He got nicked up in their scrimmage, yeah. He got nicked yeah. up in the first in the, the, their scrimmage, and we didn't think he was going to play in the season over, and then he hauled off and had a huge game and got nominated for Mr. Texas yeah. Football that week. Right. Um, they were, and, and they Play, they beat San Marcos, and you know, look, that, that's not nothing. Is is you know to go to go and play um, San Mar, you know, a team from from the kind of the greater Austin area, if you will. It's a long road trip too, and and win that game is impressive. Um, this is this is an interesting matchup to me because I think the San Benito defense has played played pretty well last week, and they played pretty well overall. But my question is going to be how that defense holds up 
against, uh, let's be real, the best offense they've seen this year. Um, because San Benito has... United, United can score points. There's no question about that. San Benito has played Cal Allen. Cal Allen's got a good offense, but it's extremely different than the one they're going to see. Uh, Victoria West, okay, and then PSJ. Uh, United is pointsy. United can score. And if you want to talk about uh, kind of a one-two punch of road matchups here, uh, in fact, San Benito, they've been road warriors. Is this right? They play four straight home road games? Yeah, you know, you know who they're playing next week? Midland Lee. At Midland Lee. The Rebs are back. Um, yeah, that is uh, – so they play at Midland Lee, and then, they, and then they go to Harlingen. They got a week off, they go to Harlingen. They play four straight road games. Yeah, they get the Battle of the Arroyo yeah. on the road this year. That is, that is interesting. So this is interesting. To me, what I want to see is what does San Benito's defense uh, do against uh, Huerta and this really, really good um, – this offense. Uh, Going to be up to guys uh, – uh, like uh, like Hector Avalos uh, and, and guys like John Daniel to come up and make plays for, for the San Benito defense. It's interesting. The best game in, in two regions, I think, in the week as far as South Texas and Rio Grande Valley. That was my fourth pick. What is your fifth and final pick, Matthew? All right. I, I debated on this one. It's one of the, one of the, it's, a, it's a small school special here. But I'm going up to Texas Panhandle. Oh, you're stealing mine. Give me Panhandle at Vega. Dang it. <laughs> it I was debating between that and Crawford and Holland. Um Panhandle Vega, I, I think, number one, Panhandle. That win over Childress is, is one of the more impressive wins of last week that, that hasn't gotten enough Dude, they enough, enough discussion. bodied them. Yeah, and Childress is down. I think that's a team that's, that's their youth is showing right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought Panhandle losing their quarterback was, you know, Brayden Durst. I thought they were going to be a little bit down this year. They've been anything but just been rolling up there. Dana Ashley's squad's been really good. And I, I think it's kind of a, a borderline contender in two A Division One Region One. That, that's not they're in our top ten, but I, I just don't think they're getting the uh, the love that they probably deserve. Mm-hmm. I, I tend they're to take, agree with you. They're taking on Vega, a two A Division Two team, but a dangerous two A Division Two team that you know hadn't allowed a point in their first two first two weeks of the season. And they allowed 24 last week, but they went on ahead and scored 73 in a win over Amarillo Highland Park. So uh, Vega has shown they can be explosive. This is going to be a physical. There's not going to be a lot of passes thrown in this game. Both these teams love to run the football. And, and I think it's one of those games where Panhandle's the favorite. They're the bigger school. They're going to have a major advantage in the trenches. But if Vega can play him close, I think that really speaks well for Jason Porton's squad yes. and really gives us, um, gives them a, a, a kind of a note that, you know, maybe it's not just about Stratford and Groover and up in the panhandle in region two, a division two, region two, or two, a division two, region one. You need to talk about the Vega Longhorns as well. Vega has been quietly crawling up those two A Division two rankings, and I think that's part partially because they're undefeated. And if you just this week, if you just do that, uh, then you'll be fine. Uh, the computer, let me see, what does the computer think? Uh, the computer has not love Vega. I mean Vega. Uh, Panhandle by 22. So the computer is a little. I think. I think that speaks to how high they are on Panhandle. We got Panhandle. They got Panhandle fourth in the computer rankings in 281, and then taking mm-hmm. on a 282 team uh, that uh, you know is 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 11th. That'll do that for you. I think it's closer than that. But this is. I think this this game does have a chance to be pretty pretty high scoring. Um, and and these are I think these are two teams that are going to get after it. Uh, I think this game's going to be a lot of fun up there in the panel. That's an excellent pick. You stole my dang pick, but which is fine <laughs> because I'm going to steal the one you didn't take. Uh, All right, I'm going to go to Central Texas. I'm going to take Holland and Crawford. And is it 
overstating it to say that the winner of this game announces themselves as a legitimate contender in 2A Division I. Um, I, I, Not at all. I, I think that if you, if you look at these two teams, I think that it is fair to say that if you go out there and you win this game, um, then you are definitely uh, you're you are no worse than in the mix for for two A Division one. Now, make no mistake, this still the, the these uh, this still goes through Region four and Holland. It, the, the worst thing you can say about Holland is in the, they're in the wrong region. Uh, that's the, that's the thing. But I'll tell you what, uh, they're, 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 Region four is more interesting with them now because it's not just the the you, you you're adding a fourth team to the mix. So. Yes. I think that at least makes potentially the the earlier round of the playoffs if Holland mm-hmm. matches up with Refugio, Shiner, and Mason early on. I think it makes those early rounds a lot more interesting. We're basically in Region Four the past couple of years, really the past three or four years. We're just waiting until the regional semifinals. Well, and Holland um, Holland jumped on the statewide radar when they beat Mart. Um, that was the, that was the big win for them, um, and then. Um, and and they've been they've been fantastic. They have the Clay Cooper, their running back, has been really terrific, and their defense has been great. Their defense has been smothering. And Holding Mart to three points is incredible. That, that is a that is a chore, and that is a really impressive thing that they were able to do. Now they take on Crawford, who just like Delbert Kelm wants it. Nobody's talking about. They're just they are quietly three and zero. They're doing it in a really ho hum, unsexy way where they're just running the ball well. They got Tate Abel, who's really solid, uh, you know, kind of an operator of that offense. They play both ways. They play great defense. This is a game that I think is determined by pace. Um, do, you, do you think Delbert Kelm listens to podcasts? There, Delbert Kelm has <laughs> never. Also, I think we said this about Danaher. Same thing. He has never downloaded a podcast. Do you um, think he's aware of podcasting? Yeah, I bet he's heard. Okay. I bet. I bet. Okay. I bet he, some somebody said, "Oh, let's listen to a podcast." And he said, "What's a podcast?" Uh, yeah. Before for, for those of you don't know, Delbert Kelm faxes his questionnaire. He is. This every year. He does not. He does. Uh, he does uh, not do email, and he does not do technology. He is an OG. He calls me from his office phone. Uh, is what he yes. does. Um, but but very quietly putting things together, and this is going to be interesting in a game determined by pace. Uh, if this game is up and going and running, it's Holland's game. They are built for that. They want to get out and run. If this game is a slugfest, if Crawford's going to win this game, this game is in the 20s, and I would even say the low 20s. But if Holland's going to win this game, uh, they can win a low-scoring slugfest, but but if they get to 30 points, I'll just say, if they score 30 points, they win the game. I think that's 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 got to be the way it is. Their running back last week, uh, I think his name is Clark, Colton Clark. I think he had, I think three hundred yards and five touchdowns last week. He's a, they've got a playmaker. They they got dudes who Clay, can Clay Cooper. Yes, Clay Cooper. Clay Cooper sorry, yeah, yes. and it was a C. Uh, they, they got dudes who can make plays, and, and like you said, they they're built for shootouts. But they're Holland's definitely the more balanced team. Yeah. I think I think you're right though. I think if it's a low scoring game, Crawford's got a puncher's chance. But if it gets you know above thirty, I think it's Holland all the way. Tempo, 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 tempo is the name of this game. All right. So uh, Step took Arlington Martin and Rockwall. I took Cibolo, or uh, I'm sorry, he took Arlington Martin, Rockwall, Cibolo Steele, and Converse Shutton, Fort Stockton, and San Angelo Lakeview, Gilmer Carthage, and Panhandle Vega. I took Grandview Malakoff, Manville, Fort Ben Marshall, Amarillo Tascosa, El Paso Americas, uh, San Benito Loreto United, and Holland and Crawford. Uh, I will give you a little bit more time to do your hip. Oh, I got one. I got it. Oh, never mind. We go to Matt Step with his hipster pick. 
Give me if you take... a matchup on the South Plains. Let me see okay. where it's at. No, we're, good. we're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> I was going to say if you are if you're stealing mine, I was going to be extremely. No, it's uh, it's uh. Because the thing well, is, to... by the way, there there are fewer games this week, so it's, it's much more possible. Yes, this is th- this week and week six are the two biggest bye weeks. Week six is a massive bye week. Half the states off that week. Yeah. Um. This this is a I think about fifteen twenty percent of the states off this week. Mm-hmm. Um. Give me Lubbock Estacado visiting Hereford. Mm-hmm. And you're saying, why is Estacado – why do you have – your Estacado's fifth in 4A Division Two? Why are they picking this game? This The reason why is I think we're going to get a great window, much like we talked about Holly and, 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 and Albany and mm-hmm. playing – Hamlin and Albany playing Holly. I think we're going to get a great uh, measuring stick for Estacado uh, with the Hereford game. And here's why. Herford's two and one on the year with nice wins over Amarillo Caprock and Canyon Randall, two 5A programs. Their one loss was by 21 to Midland Greenwood. Midland Greenwood, in my opinion, is, is one of the chief challengers to Lubbock Estacado in 4A Division II Region 1. Dude, so, it's, Greenwood's legit. If you're not paying attention to them, you are missing out. So now if. Lubbock Estacado has got to go into Hereford. Now Hereford lost to Greenwood in Midland, so it was a road game for the for the for the herd. So now they get Estacado at home. If Estacado comes into Hereford and really drums Hereford, then I think that gives us some some context to the Estacado Greenwood and kind of the the order of things in the in the region later on in the year. But I think if if Hereford beats Estacado like they did last year, this is a tough matchup for Estacado because Hereford is physical. They like to run the football. Can Estacado's defense, which has been really good this year, hold up against the Hereford running game? So I think we're going to get a great test for Estacado in a really good road environment to see if this is a team that I think potentially could be the favorite in 4A Division II Region 1. I like it. I think it's an excellent pick. Um, in fact, I think I might have even mentioned it in my um, in my picks video. So that's, that, that is how stinking good a pick it is. Good job, Step. All right, and now Thank you. even even in Indiana, I can still figure this out occasionally. I really should have looked this up before I did this, but I'm doing it now, and it's just the way it's going to be. Okay, is that right? Come on now. Okay, let me make sure of this. Yeah. All right, buddy, I am going so far off the board. You don't even you don't even know where the board is. Right. Oh, my man, here's your hipster game of the week. Let's go to the San Antonio ISD Sports Complex, 7.30 p.m. Friday night. Do you know what game it is? Uh, is it Burbank Brackenridge? Burbank and Brackenridge, baby. Yeah. All yeah. right. Guys, I was trying to find – what I was trying to do is try to find the last time Burbank was 3-0. and It is – I've gone back. It is at the earliest – 2002. I've not been able to look up their record. Okay. I, I know. I know when Burbank was last 3-0. Oh, do you? I, I, yes. I spoke to Carl Padilla about this, okay. who's a noted San Antonio expert. Correct. Burbank was last three and zero in nineteen seventy eight. Holy crap! They they went that that year they went the dreaded ten and up ten and one. Oh no! They lost. The reason why Padilla knew is because they lost to Churchill in the first oh, round. Of course, of he's a Churchill. Padilla fan. is a noted Churchill alum. So yeah, he told me about that. Nineteen. I wasn't even born yet. I'm old. <laughs> All right, Burbank is three and zero. Oh. And uh, they are right now. If you were, by the way, they're the only three and O team in that district 
with a district that has Wagner and San Antonio Vets in it. They are the only undefeated team. Now, let's not go crazy, okay? They have Their be- schedule hasn't been... Yeah. They have beaten Pearsall, San Antonio Memorial, and, and San Antonio Edison. But wins are stinking wins, okay? And they got it done last week without their, their running back, uh, Salazar, was the leading rusher in San Antonio the, la- the first two weeks of the season. He, he had a high ankle sprain and didn't play against Edison. So even more impressive for the Burbank Bulldogs. Phil Barron is doing work down there. Salazar, it, it seems like... Could be back for this game, uh, but they they're getting good a uh, good play from this quarterback Toby Carodi uh, in his stead. Um, they got a big offensive line. Defense has been playing pretty well. They're taking on San Antonio Brackenridge, and Brack uh, is uh, a, a a team that grinds it out. Uh, they've been playing a lot of low scoring games, uh, and this is going to be an interesting test. And and this to me, <coughs> excuse me, what this tells me is we are going to find out a lot about... Uh, not only, obviously, we're going to find out a lot about both of these teams. But more importantly, we're going to find out a lot about the shape of what District 13, uh, 13-5A Division One looks like. Because Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if Burbank goes out there... And like, last week they beat Edison, right? Okay, Edison, not a great football team. Edison currently ranked 113th in our 5A Division One rankings. Not a great football team. But if they go out there... And they beat Brackenridge. Um, we're talking. I mean, that that is beating another playoff team. That's what you're doing. Is you're beating another playoff team, and that puts you. I mean, I hate to say it, but if they beat that team. You're talking about them in the playoffs. You're saying, yeah, and you pretty playoff, much pencil them in. This game, I love that you picked this game because in in that district, playoff spots, especially for the San Antonio ISD teams, are really at a premium because the the Judson ISD teams. Wagner and Veterans Memorial have a huge advantage over their counterparts from SAI, SAISD. So if you pencil those two teams in the playoffs, you've basically got seven teams fighting for two spots Yes, with the SA, SAISD schools. So they're even more at a premium. Brackenridge is con, 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 usually pretty consistently the best team in SAISD. Yeah. Them in San Houston usually. But San Houston's yeah. down big time. Yes, so if Burbank gets this win, that's a massive step towards a playoff spot because you've knocked off, like you said, one of the teams that most have projected to be in the playoffs. Right. That's what makes this really interesting. I'm fascinated by it. Uh, I would love the last time Burbank was 4. I guess 4 and I would be the same year, 1970-whatever. Yeah, 1978, yeah. 1978. But Phil Barron doing work down there. Let's see what they can do. Huge game in District 13, 5A Division One. That is my hipster pick of the week. Um, tell me about your travel. Uh, it's not the most exciting drive in the world. Um, so... <laughs> So you go to get to to Toronto, the quickest way from the Metroplex is to go up through uh, Oklahoma City and then through Tulsa, up through. Now, Missouri's beautiful. I know, I know you've made that drive many times to St. Louis as your wife's family is from St. Louis. It's better, the, than all, it's better than all those other states you drive through. That's the nicest thing I'll say about it. Yes, the drive between Joplin, Missouri and St. Louis, Missouri is, is very scenic. Um, and then, you know... Uh, Illinois and Indiana are because you just go to the very southern kind of tip of Illinois. There's really oh, not much to dude. do. Southern <laughs> Illinois is 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 secret trash. 
Yeah, it's in, Indiana's pretty trash as well. Um, there ain't much to see. I think I think uh, Mike Craven in- incorrectly called it uh, Yankee East Texas, and it is not. There are a lot more trees in East Texas, and it is a lot prettier than Indiana. <laughs> Let me tell you. And then, so tomorrow I'll finish the drive and go up through the uh, beautiful metropolis of Toledo, Ohio, and then up to Detroit, and then uh, across into Canada. So, uh, yeah, not really a great drive, but it's efficient. Um are you going to any games this week? Yes. So I, I'm actually going to miss uh, my first Thursday game in quite some time uh, because of my family issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will be back. I have an early morning fri- flight Friday morning, and I will be at Frisco Reedy and Denison, a key district matchup. Both teams are 1-0 in district, 2-1 and one on the year. So uh, never been to remodel the Munson Stadium in Denison, so I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to that. And then uh, Saturday night as – my Saturday fun games continue, but hey, Taft hey. and Bishop was awesome Saturday. Yeah, night. you, I, I, I owe an apology to uh, the the fine folks of Taft and Bishop because they put, they on, put on a show. They put on a banger. Yeah, so so Taft won the game forty one to forty, and the really cool thing about that game was Taft was down forty to thirty five with thirty seconds left, and they threw a thirty five yard touchdown pass. Uh, to win the win the game, but it was called back for man downfield. Oh so the very next play from the forty yard line, the play breaks down. Taft's quarterback scrambles, picks up a couple of blocks, lunges for the pylon, and scores with fourteen seconds left to win the game, forty-one to forty. So, <laughs> needless to say, we got a show put on. So this Saturday, I have a district matchup in San Antonio as South San Antonio takes on San Antonio Lee. And Ron Kretz from South San Antonio is fired up that I'm going to be at his game. So, Coach Kretz, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys Saturday night. South San, um, that game is, by the way, it's a seven-point game. Projected to be a good game. Uh, the the One of the big issues with this game, it, you, got, you have an interesting matchup of, uh, of, of kind of weakness on weakness because – South End has had a lot of trouble scoring, but their defense has been really good. They hung with Georgetown last yeah, week. Yeah, that, that was a nice. That was a good result. They, they didn't win the game. They gave Georgetown a, a a tussle. And Lee can't stop anybody. But their offense yeah. has been pretty good. So that's it's it's a very interesting like like mixture of of uh, things that uh, yeah. When you take a look at District Twenty Seven Six A, you know maybe for a fourth playoff spot, maybe. I mean, yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna be in contention for the fourth playoff spot, you better win this game. Yes, this is the one that if you take a look at it's an elimination game. Yeah, let me pull up that district real quick. Yeah, because you gotta you gotta presume uh, Reagan's getting one. You gotta presume probably yeah. probably Roosevelt. Roosevelt's oh, boy, Roosevelt's three and one, three and zero, oh, baby. Yeah, yeah, Roosevelt. If maybe Madison's Garth a little down. Yeah, Madison's a little down. Maybe you can nip them. Yeah. But Johnson's in that mix. Yeah, if you're this is you're right. This is an elimination game. If you win this game, you're in the mix. If you if you lose this game, you're probably out. So I agree. That's pretty good. Well, that is going to do it for this very special remote edition of Tep and Step, and I believe we actually went longer than we normally do. We've it's crazy. Yeah, an, an hour and fourteen Fort, minutes. Fort Wayne just does that to you. Fort Wayne, it gets in your gets in your blood. Uh, what's for dinner? Uh, I think I'm gonna have pizza. I think there's a pizza place right around the corner. That I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you, shot because you ate a cheddar's and Joplin. <laughs> Look, considering where I was in Joplin, cheddar's was a was a safe bet, sir. Uh, there was not many. It was between cheddar's and Denny's. So 
That is going to do it for us. Thank you for spending part of your day with us, and thanks for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. Please tell your friends to subscribe so that they can get premium content like this, like Matt Stepp's uh, travels in Fort Wayne. Uh, Step, I mean this more than usual. Thanks for your courage. Thanks, Tepper. We'll see you next time on Tepper Step. Step.